Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Wow, I am so excited because I have an incredible person that I'm interviewing today. In my first chapter of my book, Be Amazing, I talk about stock visionaries. And Barbara Melvin is just one of those people that I have truly stalked because I'm going to read her bio here in a second, but I just want to share with you when I met her and I heard her speak at our Palmetto School Fort Myers, it was at an event that we were raising money for a foundation she works with called Dress for Success. And she spoke. And I said, I have to be a friend with her. And since then, a a year ago, we started a business together. We do online business and leadership masterminds together. And I do pray that we do those for the rest of our lives. I tell everybody I'm not going to retire because I'll still be doing these masterminds till I'm 110 if I can still pull myself together in my thought process. (laughs) We'll see. But uh, so it's so great to have you here, Barbara. It's so surreal. And I'm actually sitting with her in the room and her gorgeous husband, Daniel, who's an incredible singer, is sitting in the room listening to this as well, too. So it's so neat to have his support as well. In fact, my husband said to me today, he said, I love Barbara so much. You know why I love her? Because she told me I'm handsome. (laughs) And I said, well, honey, you are handsome. Yes, he is. Thank you, Tina, so much for this opportunity because you talk about me, but I talk about you. I mean, just meeting you and your spirituality and just you as a person with your husband been Brian and your family, you made a, you motivate us. And I tell you, I look up to you so much. So to be beside you uh, and touching you. I know. It's usually on a screen, not a computer screen. <laughs> it's like, I get to be with my Tina. But one thing that, you know, I have to say to give credit, you know, to God first for allowing, you know, me to even be here, but also to give credit to my husband, Daniel, because without him and the sacrifices that he allowed you know, me to make because we do a lot. I'm out in the community a lot and it does take away from our home life. So I have to thank him for allowing me to do the things that we do, not only for my job, but Mm -hmm. also for me personally and for our new nonprofit, our home-based business that we're working on. So, you know, really together, we're able to do a lot. So Mm -hmm. I think that's what, you know, really motivates me to do even more, you know, having that support system. Yeah. And I've always said leadership starts at home. And I feel like you really, really embrace that. The leadership starts at home and you and Daniel have an incredible relationship. And I know I could spend a whole hour just like, how do you maintain that great relationship? But you said something that just really hit. You said sacrifices. Like, tell me what those sacrifices are. Not seeing one another. I mean, really, uh, he would ask me, will I get to see you tonight? You know, Mm -hmm. what's your schedule? Because when we're out in events for the bank, you know, I work for the bank as a vice president, and I am on a lot of boards. So although we're helping other people, we have to remember there is a family at home. So the sacrifices that I'm making, you know, some Mm -hmm. of my board meetings, they're 7 o'clock. Sometimes they are in Fort Myers. That's an hour away. So Mm -hmm. by the time I get home, it's 10 o'clock. So many Mm -hmm. weeks, I'm 
gone from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. So mm-hmm. the sacrifice that, you know, I make, I know that, you know, I want to do more, but then I know I do have someone at home. Now, the good thing for us is we don't have any kids or pets. So, you know, it is just him and myself. And mm-hmm. I do ask, you know, and I want to make sure that it's mm-hmm. okay. You know, and I hear people say, well, you know, why would it be you both are grown? But when you're in a relationship, it is a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to make sure he's okay because he's at home all day by himself, you know. So I want to make sure that what I do out in the community, I still have enough energy mm-hmm. to be at home in a relationship. Because when you're running all that time, when you go home, I don't have time to talk. I'm sleepy. I'm tired. So I want to make sure that I have time for us. And one good thing that we do is we take one day to be together. And that mm-hmm. day is Sunday. So we'll get up. If we worship, every Sunday is movie day. We're going to the movie. We're going to have dinner dinner and a movie every Sunday. That's one thing. Now, you know, sometimes things happen to where Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen, but we had to say, okay, what day can we have that we know that's our day? And we try not to let anything get in the way of that day. So we know, hey, if I'm running all week, and he's a singer, so a lot of times I'm with him. So many times we're not together because we're working. And you support him all the time, too. You follow him. You're his biggest cheerleader because he sings all over the place. Yes, he does. And so you you, you said something. How many years you've been married? What, 22 years. 22 years. Yes. Okay. Been together 28. That's amazing. So, but you said something that I, I think I want everybody to get here. You said, I do ask. And, and I bet there was a moment in your time, like myself, I used to just kind of sneak off and be like, well, I kind of told you, hus- <laughs> husband. Yeah. And uh, so... Talk through that moment. Where where did that, because this is untold stories of leadership transformation, because leadership starts at home. I bet there was some really defining moments in your marriage that kind of shifted, and you're like, I better start asking him. Yes. Like, share that so moment. So true. So true. I was saying yes to everything. Everything okay. that came my way, you're I said, yes, yes, person. yes, I am. Yes. Totally. And mm-hmm. even Dan really did walk me through that and say, look, I am so tired when I get home, I have to learn to say no. And that was very hard for me and it still continues to be hard and you're right I would say oh Daniel I'm going here I'm going here I am going here he said what about what about me what about my mm. relationship our relationship what about us and I said oh man you're right you're right so you're right I did start asking and he he brought it to my attention that you know hey you're out so much you know you just do without asking we are partners and if we want to stay married we did have that conversation to where he said if you want to stay married and have a good relationship relationship I need to ask and we need to work together we need Mm -hmm. to do more things together and we Mm -hmm. weren't because it was just me 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 so I'm getting better I'm still not the best I am still doing a lot that I know I don't have to do and I'm still doing it you know I love that he said what about us like he spoke up and he and those of you listening right now you, you may be in a relationship whether it's at work or a relationship with your boss or a relationship at home um just say what about us right and so constant uninhibited communication that breaks down walls and i think yes. that's the most important thing here that i think i just i heard you say that really made you that shift in your in your relationship change and that form that transformation yes. in your marriage. And I know it continues <laughs> yes. too. And and I love the fact that you intentionally set side one day a week 
to watch a movie. Tell me what your last movie that you saw. <laughs> we just saw it Sunday. What was it? It's like I always forget once we leave. We see three movies on Did Sunday. Did you see A Star is Born? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. See, I, I just know saw it's Bohemian movies. Rhapsody. Did oh you my see that goodness. one? No, yeah, that one looks funny. Good. It looks funny. Yeah. It's very, very good. Yes. But we do. Yes. We see three movies on Sundays. Okay. So we, we start early and so you like have funny dinner. movies. We like it all. Make you we, laugh. we normally look at everything. Whatever's yeah. up there that's, mm-hmm. you know, first run, we're, we're seeing it. We're I love seeing it. it. So we love you know, drama, everything. Yeah. We love it. Yes. That's so cute. <laughs> you guys are so adorable. And, and so I kind of, you know, I know a little bit about you, Barbara, too, just because we've been, you know, working on these masterminds together. And in fact, the latest one we're working on is, is uh, helping us to get rid of toxic thoughts, right? Yes. And so let, let's, let's talk a little bit about our online mastermind. What kind of shifts and changes and transformation have you had? Because we're just finishing out tonight our online mastermind with that uh, brain detox. Like what's, what's happened in your mind through this last, you know, 10, you know, eight to 10 weeks that we've been together? I didn't realize how, how toxic I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very toxic because mm-hmm. I always you know, really compare myself to others, even with my weight. For people that know me, yes, I have lost weight, but I have more weight to lose. And I always say, oh, my God, mm. I'm too big. I'm not good enough. And I, I'm always around um, women that, you know, exercise and they look beautiful. And to me, I feel like, am I good enough? Am I good enough to be around them? Am I good enough because I'm not their size and, you know, I don't look like they look. So my transformation from this book was, you know, get those toxic thoughts out. You know, what do I need to do? If Mm -hmm. I'm overweight, then do something about it. Even my book, writing my book, you know, the Mm -hmm. good thing about this, it did keep me focused, you know, Mm -hmm. where every day my 21 detox was, what are you doing? What are you doing to write down? I'm not going to say I'm not going to have it ready. I don't have enough time. I am saying I'm making time. I will do. So just to change my thought habit. And I thought I was until I started reading the book and really doing the Mm -hmm. exercise. I realized, man, I'm not doing all that I should do. So this book, Switch on Your Brain, man, it it was one of the best ones that we have had. I really love, Mm -hmm. like, Dr. Caroline Leaf. She had some Mm -hmm. amazing things in the book, even stress. You know, we talk about stress all the time, and that's one of the things I put down. Mm -hmm. But stress can kill you. You know, and sometimes we don't realize how stressful we are until we really sit down Mm -hmm. and relax and go, wow. I, I had a stressful day. So reading her book and she explained, you know, about stress in our mind, it really did make me look at stress even different than what I was looking at it before. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, she talked, really clarified the level one, two, and three stress. Yes. Level one is great. And it's what we need to have to keep ourselves safe. Right. right? And right. also to be active and inspiring and motivating. So we're not dead inside, but that level two and three is where it's really Too dangerous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And identifying it. And I've been working hard on that because I've realized my body has made shifts mm-hmm. and changes too. So it's almost like our health challenges are like yelling at us saying, right. Oh, you got to check your brain. Where, where's your thoughts, right? Cause yep. you can switch on your brain. You can do your own brain surgery mm-hmm. and you can shift and change every everything in your life just by your thoughts. So let, we'll dig deeper into that as well too. But, um, I, I heard you just say, and I know it's one of your goals, you're writing your book. Did you yes. ever say, think that you would say that? I, I, 
I did, but that's the thing is I keep saying it. Like, Daniel, tell me, <laughs> when are you going to write in your book? And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I come home and I'm mm-hmm. so tired. He's like, did you write in your book today? So, you know, I was showing him last night all the sheets that I had written because this book kept me on target. So it's like, yes, nail my goal. Okay, it's first quarter, 2019, this book will be done. So, you know, I, I wrote it down. I put it on okay. my vision board. This book will be done by March 31st, 2019. And I'm like, this is it. You know, it'll probably be done even before then because I know my goal, you know. Yeah. What's so. the book going to be called? What's it about? Uh, it is actually about my life, you know, turning your no into a go. So that, that's my title, Turning Your No Into a Go, and it is that, it's about my life, you know. And where I, where I started out, you know, growing up in Virginia, small town, going to Michigan, and then even coming here, what got us here. So I, I'm looking Ooh. forward, you know, <laughs> to so, finishing it. Okay, this is huge because obviously we've got some untold stories of leadership transformation going on here right now. So, so let's go back to that because I know that you've had a lot of adversity in your life. And, and I remember we talked about um, that you left Michigan to come to Florida too. And uh, what happened in that whole shift from coming to Michigan to Florida. I mean, because I know I, I know the story, but everyone else needs to hear right. this. It was very different. I mean, when I was even called in Michigan, I was doing very well. I was a top producer. And when the woman from HR, Human Resources, had a call to say, would you like to go to Michigan? I and mean, to Florida. Fargo, right? right? Well, actually, it was Bank, Bank One. Back then, Bank it was one. Bank okay. One, which is now um, Chase. And, oh, and then you came right. to Wells Fargo. So in, okay. in, uh, in Detroit, I actually worked for National Bank of Detroit and Michigan mm-hmm. National. So when they called me, they said, you know, we need you because of diversity. There was lack of diversity here. And, you know, they were like, oh, well, let me give you the demographics first. And I'm like, okay. You know, it was like the median mm-hmm. age was like, you know, 85. Median income was 75. And, uh, you know, it was like 2001. So the ratio, even a Caucasian was like, you know, 96%. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm young, black, and poor. Am I going to be okay? You know? mm-hmm. And she's like, yes, you'll be fine. You know, you just keep being the way you are. And it has really been great. But mm-hmm. I have had, you know, many customers. In fact, my first week here, I had a customer that came in and said that he did not want to do business with me because I was black, mm-hmm. you know, and my manager said, you know what? We will close out your account. He said, we, they paid a lot of money to get me here, and I came to diversify the bank. And the first client that first week, and he had a million-dollar check. And I'm like, it's okay. I need the money. You know, I had sales goals, and my manager was like, no, we, we can't deal with that. And, you know, that really made me feel good because I didn't know what to expect, you know. But after that, I mean. What did that really, client do? Actually, he couldn't do too much because there was only two branches here. So he had to call back, and he okay. did apologize but we closed nice. out the account. We did not reopen up the account. Wow. No. Okay. My, so yes. let's dive a little deeper into this. So so when they came to you and they said, we need diversity in Southwest Florida, what went through your mind? Because, boom, you're like, wow. Okay. So I'm the one that's right. gonna, like... This is huge. Yes, yes. So well, it's, let's it's, talk about that. Sure. Like, what was going through your mind? You know, what was really going through my mind is that 
I didn't think about it. I didn't mm-hmm. know, you know. So when I got the phone call and coming from Detroit, which was, you know, at downtown Detroit, mm-hmm. it was more black people. So mm-hmm. when they called me, I was like, wow, that, that is different because I never thought about it, mm-hmm. you know. So to come down here and to say, okay, I'm coming to really integrate the bank because it was really, truly more white men. There was no women. You know, the only one woman was like the secretary. So I even came as a woman and an African-American, and my job was to go mm-hmm. out in the community and hire more minorities. You know, Hispanics, wow. Asians, it didn't matter. What year was this? And women. This was 2001. 2001. Yes. Okay. And they needed women. They mm-hmm. needed women to come to the bank. Mm-hmm. So it was truly, it was a private bank. So we didn't have that much diversity, period, you know. Mm-hmm. So when I came down, it was really a blessing for me because I was able to go into the community and try to recruit more people in. Yeah, you know. and how does that how's that work for you? It, it worked pretty well for that. So is there more okay. diversity now? True, yes. Okay. It's a lot so of diversity. You've seen a lot of shift. And oh, how, yes. do you, how do you oh, think yes. that happened? It happened because it had to happen. It's almost mm-hmm. like, you know, the banks as well as other organizations mm-hmm. said, in order for us to be successful, we need more women. And when you look at the banking industry now, you do see more women presidents, mm-hmm. more women vice presidents. Women are running organizations. So, again, yeah. from 2001 to 2018, mm-hmm. you are seeing more women speaking up. So even when I was in HR and hiring women, I said, look, you guys got to speak up. You got to ask for your Mm -hmm. salary. You have to show. And then we show up. You know, we work three times as hard. We do so much more sometimes than our male counterpart, but we don't ask. So if you're not asking for that pay raise or you're not asking when you before you get the job, Ask for what you want. And that's one thing I have to give credit again to Daniel. Daniel used to tell me, although I do not have a college degree, so I was a vice president at a very young age. Of course, I had to go through that battle, you know, without having a degree, can't be a manager, can't be a vice president. And I said, no, I can be. And that's why my book is turning your no into a go. Mm -hmm. So when they say no to me, that just means it's on. It is on. So how, you turn no. How did you over. get to that point to say it's on? Because not many people have that. Usually, when people speak into their life, they're like, okay, and they put their tail between their legs and walk away. But where? How did you get to that point? There had to be a moment in your life that transformed you that said, no, I'm going to put my no into a go. Where, where did that happen? Actually, with Daniel. I have to admit, so it did happen with him. The belief that he had in yes, you. Yes. Yes. So surrounding yourself with the yes. right people. Yes. That I, and my I, church. That's huge. Yes, and your my church. church. Okay. My church. In fact, staying in Detroit really helped because as soon as I became a part-time teller, it was one deacon in my church who always called me a vice president. He said, oh, here comes the vice president. And I looked at what? him and I was like, I am a part-time teller. What do you mean? He, he spoke life into yes, you. Yes, he did. And then I started believing it. I said, well, wow. you know, why not? And he used to call me that all the time. He's like, here comes my favorite vice president. And I started believing it. And even Daniel said, well, why not? How come you can't be a vice president? Mm-hmm. It's a title. What do you need to do to get there? And then I started surrounding myself mm-hmm. with the people that were at my that weren't at my level. They were at a higher level. So I called branch managers. I called presidents of the different areas. I said, what do I need to do to be in your area or to take your job? And they loved it. They were like, here, let me train you. Take this. I'm certified. I can do mortgages. I can do insurance. I can do so much. If the bank let me go, you know, today. I can do whatever I want, mm-hmm. you know, and then having John Maxwell be certified there, mm-hmm. it's like whatever I want, I know I can do. 
Wow. Okay, so, all right. We're talking to people that are surrounding themselves with toxic people. Um, in fact, some of them are in their own homes, okay? It could be their parents. They live with their parents. It could be uh, their uncles or aunts. Um, they have boyfriends, girlfriends, people that are toxic. Have you ever had anyone toxic in your life that you had to distance yourself from? Like, what advice do you give people right now to make sure they have this inner circle of encouragers of people like you have in your life? What advice do you have? I would say personally, because that really didn't happen to me. Like Daniel always tells me I'm a Miss Goody Two-Shoe, a Bible Bell, because I always mm-hmm. try to surround myself with positive people. Mm-hmm. And he'll tell you, if you're negative, you can't be around me. So growing up in my family yeah. alone, I was the baby of six, and my parents used to always tell us, you got to love people. But if they're toxic or if they are negative, my parents used to always say, get from around them, because mm-hmm. negative people draw negative people. But if you're positive, you can change that negative to wherever you want. So my parents told us, even growing up, whatever we wanted to do, we could do. So my parents always encouraged us to be positive, to be loving, encouraging, and to help one another. So growing up in my household, people wanted to be a part of our family because we mm-hmm. always laugh. I mean, I'm the baby mm-hmm. of six we always laughed. We had a great time growing up. And my town was so small, you blink, you miss it. So everybody knew each other, you know, one school. So it's like, mm-hmm. it, it did. Daniel said, you grew up in Mayberry. I did. You know, yeah. I really did. I didn't know what, you know, it meant to get in a fight or to be mad at someone. Because if you did, someone else will come around and go, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. Yeah. You know, and then going to Detroit, surrounding myself with just the church. I mean, a church family is really what kept me in Detroit until I met Daniel. I had a great time. And I was, you know, 17 turning mm-hmm. 18. So I was such a young kid. The church took me in. And they were like, hey, we're going to be there for you. We're going to help you. And they helped me grow. You okay. know, and then when I met Daniel, he just gave me more positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. So when I used to walk around, I'm happy. People are like, why are you so happy? I'm like, because I woke up. You yeah. know, like. I woke up today. I woke up. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I think that's a good quote from you. Get from around them. Get from around them. Like that's yes. a Barbara Melvin quote. <laughs> like I love that because um, it's so true. Like just stay away, right? <laughs> Don't spend most of your time. But, uh, but okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that there are positive people out there. So no matter if you're in a home with negativity, you can still surround yourself with positive people. And that includes really choosing the right employment yes. too, right? Yes. Like the yes. right people yep. and to not, um, and I think some, one of the biggest challenges that I see with a lot of people is they don't, uh, there's so many job opportunities out there, right? Yes, there's so is. many job opportunities and, um, and you just have to be the right person, but they don't take the time to interview the people that work there, yep. right? I agree. And yes. so have you ever been in a toxic environment of people that work around? you okay so let's talk about that what did you do how did you process that actually it started when I became a bank manager in Detroit I was working at that time Farmer Jack and it was in you know one of the and it was in you know a tough part of Detroit and with that what happened they almost sent me to like the roughest and worst branch they could send me to the customers were mean my employees were mean and this is my first time out as being a bank manager 
manager. Well, we got paid as managers for having good customer service skills. And we were getting paid like a $1,000 bonus per quarter if you met your goal of, you know, you hear people go, give us a 10. If you go in and you hear different organizations and they said, hey, you know, you may get a survey. We got paid on those surveys. So our job was just to call people by name, thank them, and then offer a product. And if you did all three of those, most of the time, you know, you got a good survey back. So when I got there, it was like 35 branches in my region. We were number 35 of the worst in customer service. So here I am going, you know, Miss Nicey Nicey, and, you know, how are you going into a toxic, Mm. toxic environment? And when I got there, the first week, one of my tellers jumped over the counter and was going to beat down the customer. And I'm like, am I, am I in, you know, Fort Knox? So what is this? It's like hoodlums. I have hoodlums working for me. What is wrong with the customers? So I stood out like in the middle of Farmer Jack and I said, you know what? I will fire my entire staff. I said, I can do the teller line. I can open up accounts. I told them I don't need any of them. If they did not change their attitude and became nicer, I told them I was firing everybody from the customers to my employees. Stop. And then it turned yeah. around. So within wow. 90 days, we went from 35 to like in the top 20. By the time I was there for one year, we were number one because my staff was getting $500 for customer service. It was the easiest $500 you could get. And you just just had to be nice to people and they couldn't even do that I'm like come on people so my legacy for that branch was mm-hmm. they had never had good customer service skills and I was determined that even farmer jack managers came to me and said whatever you're doing with your people please teach ours and I was mm-hmm. teaching them customer service skills and our our employees not only changed but so did the customers because I told the customers if my tellers respect you I expect you respect my staff because it's a two-way street we have mm-hmm. to respect one another everybody started changing before I left I think I was at that branch for about two years before I left not only did the manager of Farmer Jack win an award for customer service the customers started changing so it made a difference with conscious focus and mm-hmm. I was consciously focused wow. on getting first good customer service but then I was a thousand dollars a quarter <laughs> I'm like God I'm getting four thousand wow. dollars a year we're doing this you know wow. and I mean it was two thousand dollars for them so mm-hmm. when you if you wanted to break it down in money why not do something that's easy money if you need to have an incentive to be nice then let's have this an incentive. And we were number one. And that was one of the first awards that I had won at the mm. bank in order to be a vice president. They were like, look, you turn this bank around. You know, yeah. and our sales went up, our goals went up. We were shining. And I won, you know, I was number one in the company that year. Out of like, what, I think it was like 125 wow. managers, I was the number one manager. So what I love about you, Barbara, is that leaders keep score and that, <laughs> you know, your numbers tell a story. And so what is the toy story telling you? Because I hear so many people say, well, my boss doesn't care about me or, right. you know, I'm getting fired because I'm not producing enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> your numbers tell a story. And a lot of people, they don't want to keep a score. They don't right. want to keep score and they don't want to pay attention that, you know, this is a business. It's not a nonprofit. Yes. And I kept hearing that. And so you had this conscious focus, but you also are that type of person person of purpose before profit because you said that your legacy was to teach them how to be nice, right? That's your legacy. So I feel like everywhere you go, you always leave it better than you 
you found it, no matter where you're at. Whereas I hear so many people, and I was just uh, on this Facebook page, and this woman, she was complaining about her boss and mm-hmm. how she can't wait to leave her. And just this horror. And did you ever, I asked her, I said, did you ever approach your boss? Did you ever right. talk to your boss? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? I, but I they complained don't. to the HR department. Right. It's right. like, oh, you complained to the HR department, but you didn't sit down with your, like, did you ever sit down and buy them some coffee and see where they're at? And how can I help you? And how exactly. can I serve you? And I feel like you have this incredible servant attitude. And again, I know it's from the people that you've surrounded yourself with, but talk to the people on this podcast listening to this right now. Um, how can they switch their, their mindset around to have this conscious focus to keep score and to leave a legacy? Like, how do you do that? Where does that come from? You're right. It's like a purpose. You know, I know Mm -hmm. my purpose. Even coming Mm -hmm. from my parents, they always told us, you want to leave the world better than the way you came in. They always told you that? Always. Leave the world better. Better than the way you came in. And the way you do that is meeting other people's needs, but also making sure that, you know, the people around you, you're, you're a servant, but you have to make sure that yourself you're loving and caring for yourself too, you know, so you're helping others, but you also have to mm-hmm. help yourself. So our mentality is, you know, especially mine, I want to give, 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 but then I have to remember, I need something too, you know, yeah. I need something in return too. So when I really figure out what I'm doing for others, I have to remember, I need sometimes that love too for me, yeah. you know, so it, it's really, what is my purpose? What is my dreams? Am I fulfilling what I was put on this earth to do? And once you find your purpose, you really don't stop until you really make it happen. And when you sit back in years, mm. you know, it's like, wow, I helped this many people. I was able to be a light to someone. Then you start feeling better about yourself because you really do feel good helping people mm-hmm. and it just makes you feel better and you do more. Yeah, I love that. And tell me, um, I know you're a coach and a life coach and and people can hire you to coach them. Life coach and business coach, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you're John Maxwell leadership coach. How do you help people? I have so many people come to me and say, I don't know my purpose. I don't know what I'm put on this earth for. How do you help them? How do you take them through that process? What do you do? First, I tell them, close their eyes. And think of where they want to be in five years and how things will probably change in five years. Most of the time it does. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them to dream. What is your dream? When we're young, Mm -hmm. we have all these dreams and aspirations. But when we grow up, life happens Mm -hmm. and we forget about our dreams. So if a person can really just stop and focus on what was their dream? What was their dream in high school? If you go back to your high school yearbook, it says, what do you, where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be in 10 years? If you remember back then, what are you doing? Are you living closer to your dreams? And then what is your passion? What is that you want to do, that you like to do? And if you can turn that passion into profit, that's even better. But mm-hmm. we have got to stop and really look at our inner selves. What makes us happy? What is your dream? Do we stop dreaming? We do. Especially mm. women and working with Dress for Success. And I mm. hear the women that come through our programs, they stopped dreaming a long time ago because many of them started having families. And some started having families very young. So they didn't get a chance to grow up. So if they didn't grow up, now okay. you have a family to take care of. No one, no one is dreaming anymore. So they forget their passion because they have to think, what is my passion? And they have to remember what it is that they love doing before life happens. Wow. Okay, this is this is so amazing because this B series that I'm doing, it's all about 
who you're going to be, right? Because we spend so much time doing, we forgot about being. And you said, you know, working on your insides and your character and really finding your purpose. So as you go into your future and you're writing this book, turning your no into a go, as we finish this out, Barbara, like think about what is that? I know there's so many things inside of me that I want to transform in my own life. Um, I'm still not, I haven't dealt 100% with anger issues that I have. I still haven't 100% dealt with doubting myself and confidence issues. And there's so many toxic thoughts that I have that I'm really working on. What about you? Like what, what do you want to work on to go to that next level in your life? What do you, what are you working on? And you're right. I'm really, it's me. You know, I have to start with me first of all, with my weight. You know, I still struggle with my weight. Yes. I've lost 72 pounds, but that's not good enough. Cause I know as you get you older, look amazing. Thank when you, I, thank I haven't you. seen you in a while. Oh my gosh. You look so good. I'm like you. I still have this self-confidence because Mm -hmm. I know my goal is to be on that national stage. And for women, a lot of times we get judged by our weight. And if I'm sending off videos, people will look at that video and they'll look at me first as my weight and then they'll listen to the message. So it's like, and I've talked to different people that hire people to speak. And if you notice the women that speak, they all have a nice physique. And, you know, I know it's heavier women out there that do just as well, but the first visual for that woman, she has to have that nice shape. Not that she has to be a size zero or two, but that's the thing. How are you going to tell me how to do better when they look at me and go, what are you doing? You know, so they may not know how big I was. Only thing they see is what's in front of them. Mm-hmm. So for me, listening to people that hire people, I if that's the lane I want to go into, then I have to correct myself. And one of the things is, you know, even getting better, getting more physically fit mm-hmm. so that I do want to live longer. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about being vain or trying to be beautiful. I have to do it for health mm-hmm. reasons. And the smaller I get, the longer I know I live because mm-hmm. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm mm-hmm. going to exercise, I'm going to change that thought. So instead of my, you know, toxic, oh, I'm so big. No, my thought is, okay, I'm big for right now. I'm at the size I need to be, but my goal is I'm going to get smaller, but I'm going to be healthier. So my thing is to be more healthier, you know? I love it. Barbara, you're so amazing. I love you so much. Thank you for doing this interview. And we'll put it in the show notes with Barbara, but we're excited. And your book's coming out in the spring. Yes, it is. So they can purchase it. How will they purchase that book? By the um, way, that's Three. a good question. Amazon. I know we'll do yeah. Amazon. I have a yeah. publisher that okay, would good. do things. So yeah. Do you have a website? Amazon. Too, that we, we can are working. Yes, I do have a website. Okay. Yes, working on your website. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes as well too. And definitely sign up for our online masterminds. You don't want to miss out on these because Barbara is such the biggest encourager, and you'll love, love, love her leadership tools that she gives every single week as well too. So, I, I love you, Barbara. Thank you for Thank doing you. this interview you, with me. Let's have you back again because I know you have so many incredible stories that people need to hear. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.